Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Subnet Show. I am your host, Gabriel Cardona, coming to you live from San Francisco this week. And I am joined, as always, back and fully recharged, my amazing co-host, the man with the most cats in crypto, Connor Daly. What is up, my friend? Back from the vet <laughs> this morning, yeah. Uh, thanks for holding it down the last couple of weeks. Um, I think we had some, some really good episodes, and yeah, excited to be back and, and get back to it. Yeah, awesome. Good to have you back. I was hanging out yesterday uh, at the Graph Day in San Francisco, and I was hanging out with Chloe, one of the engineers. Here's the bracelet. I was hanging out with Chloe, one of the engineers from our platform team, and she was like, yeah, Connor, he's got a lot of cats, huh? <laughs> I was like, that's what he's well, known for, man. That's his claim to fame. I usually try to kick him out uh, when I'm like doing the show, but during like regular meetings, yeah, I have uh, cats in the room with me and Ollie in particular, who has made guest appearances, does love oh, yeah. to really climb on top of me. And his new favorite spot is to perch on my, the back of my shoulders. He's the official and, mascot uh, of the Subnet show. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so- We um, gotta turn him into merch someday. Yeah, yeah, Crypto Kitties. I keep saying it, we just need to launch it on uh, Avalanche. So um, as I always say, whenever introducing guests, one of the amazing things about my crypto journey has been I have just met so many amazing folks who are making genuine impact with their, their life and their work. And uh, it's just been one of the great joys of my job over the years. It just seems like all the teams I've worked on have just had absolute block stars. And so today we're joined by one of my real good friends who I go way back with, um, Stefan Rust who was previously CEO of Bitcoin.com and now has a new startup called Trueflation. And so I want to welcome him to the Subnet Show. What's up, Stefan? Hey, thank you. Great to connect again and, and be on here. And, and thanks for inviting me to Subnet Show. Yes. So last week I was actually a guest on Stefan's uh, podcast called Super Excited. Is that it or Super Charged? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, super Excited. Got it. Yeah, Super Excited. And I shared the links on our social. I'll put the link uh, in the description box below if you guys want to go check it out. He's got a podcast as well, which is very high quality. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to be part of that as well. So as I mentioned, Stefan and I go way back um, prior, if anybody knows my uh, crypto journey, prior to uh, being at Ava Labs and doing the developer evangelist work I'm doing now, I was the um, global director of developer services at Bitcoin.com. So prior, you know, prior to this, I had a startup called Bitbox, which was around developer tooling for the Bitcoin cash ecosystem. So really quickly, the vision, the, the journey there was um, I was doing a startup in 2017, 2018 called Clone, which was a 3D printer. If anybody's familiar with the Prusa 3D printers, they're really, really high quality. Um, I, I feel like I'm getting a crunch from somebody. I don't know if you guys hear it. Um, so an audio crunch. But anyway, so um, I had a personal startup called Clone. And there was a 3D printer called Prusa, which is a really, really great $1,000-ish desktop 3D printer. And it's all open source hardware and software. So I had created a 3D printer that I was had connected to the IoT over MQTT, um, the Internet of Things. And then it was able to kick off a 3D print calling an Ethereum smart contract call. So that was my, you know, my Rube Goldberg prototype that I had working. <laughs> and I got exposed to Truffle at the time. And Truffle like opened my eyes, just a super amazing tool set. And it was the best thing I had experienced in crypto up to that point. I've always been really familiar with how a great tool set can take your skills and, you know, 10x them or 100x them. And I learned that using Node.js and Ruby on Rails and Cocoa and Cocoa Touch for iOS. And so I had, had yet to see a really great crypto 
dev framework. And when I dealt with Truffle, I immediately was like, wow, this is amazing. And so um, I, I was at Trulia in 2012. And the founder of Trulia is now a venture capitalist in San Francisco. And I stayed in contact with him and I hit him up and I believe it was December of 2017. And I was just like, hey, man, I feel like I'm right on the brink of tipping and doing something really big. I got a lot of great ideas and things are moving a trillion miles an hour. Can you brainstorm with me? So he invited me to his office. And so when I was at his office, um, he had told me, you know, that 3D printing is a really hard space to get into. Basically, hardware is hard that they had talked to 10 or 15 different 3D printer companies. And I think they were, they were only talking to two of them a second time. One of them printed houses and one of them printed organs. So it was kind of like, you know, if you're just doing a 3D printer, you know, that's a really tough space to get into. Just think about how much money it takes you to build the hardware for that machine. Now, how many do you got to sell to make an actual good amount of money? So what other ideas do you got? So I started telling him, you know, recently Bitcoin forked into Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, and I've been playing around with it. And I think there might be the opportunity to do developer tooling in the Bitcoin Cash ecosystem, similar to what I've seen with this new framework called Truffle. And he was like, oh, yeah, well, from our perspective as VCs, the biggest and the fastest money plays that anybody's ever seen are all in the blockchain space. So if you have any type of edge at all in the blockchain, I would suggest you do something like that. And so I took his advice to heart. And that night I put clone to sleep and I started working on what ended up being Bitbox. And Bitbox, as I mentioned, was very similar to what I'm doing now at uh, Auto Labs. It was a um, TypeScript SDK, some cloud services at rest.bitcoin.com, some developer tooling. Um, initially the domain was bitbox.earth. But anyway, after eight weeks or 10 weeks, it had absolutely blown up. It had been downloaded in over a hundred countries, I think 110 countries. And one night I'm sitting at my desk, it's like 11 p.m. here in San Francisco, and I was just winding down and I get a DM from Corbin, if anybody knows Corbin, maple syrup sucker on Twitter from uh, Bitcoin.com, absolute block star. And he was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm here with Roger, uh, Roger Vera, he wants to talk to you. Do you have a moment? And I'm like, of course. So I jump on a Skype call with Roger and Roger's like, I think it was a Zoom call. And Roger's like, hey, dude, we love what you're doing. We'd love to bring it under our brand. Do you want to move to Tokyo? And so, of course, I was like, yes, I do want to move to Tokyo. Stefan knows how fast Roger moves. And so I think like two and a half weeks later, I was in Tokyo and uh, Bitcoin.com acquired Bitbox, which, you know, is a single person startup. But I ended up there as the, uh, as I mentioned, the global director of developer services, doing very similar work to what I'm doing now. Conferences, meetups, hackathons, maintaining a TypeScript library and doing developer documentation. And while I was there, probably about halfway through the journey, um, Stefan joined us as originally you were the head of business development. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 yeah so Stefan joined us. Um, Stefan, did you are born in Hong Kong? Is that correct? You grew up in HK? I was born in Hong Kong. Yeah. I lived there until I was about 12, 13, then went to Switzerland and did my education there. I went to college there. You have a claim to fame with Hong Kong. Can I tell him what it is? Yeah, sure. <laughs> His grandfather was the governor of Hong Kong. Come on. How cool is that? That's pretty epic. If you've ever been to Hong Kong, yeah. you know, Hong Kong's one of my favorite places in the world. I keep saying as soon as my son turns 18, I'm going to split my time between Tokyo and Hong Kong. And I love Hong Kong. It's unfortunate all the crazy stuff that's going on there right now. But if anybody's ever been there, it's an absolutely magical and beautiful place. And that's pretty rad. That's where you're from. And so anyway, about halfway through the journey of Bitcoin.com, Stefan joined us as the uh, head of BizDev. And he was just doing such a great job that he actually ended up becoming the CEO of Bitcoin.com which was a pretty epic journey. And so that's how, you know, I got to know Stefan. So we go back now probably four years or maybe even above and beyond that. And then I left obviously Bitcoin.com and I ended up at all the labs. And then recently Stefan and I reconnected and I got to 
you know, sort of um, catch up on what he's been working on, which is now this stable coin called Trueflation, which it has like a uh, data API as well as a stable coin. So we can sort of dig into that. But I think I'll just maybe real quickly toss the mic around. Did I, did I get all that right? Did that sound like the correct journey? Stefan? Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, sort of, I think, you know, I remember you and I, we went to developer conferences or events, and we would then try and find new startups at each of those events together, Bitcoin.com, mm -hmm. and, and we're roving and, and constantly had new ideas and what we could be doing and how we could do that. And then finally, when I did become the CEO, we were empowered, you know, we, I was in the position to empower you a lot more and, yeah. and really let rip. Um, and we did stay in touch because I do remember we had a call, I think maybe it was around the time that you just joined Ava Labs or, or you were about to join. Um, but we were, this was maybe two, three years ago, four years ago, where we were both on the same page, EVMs, that's where it's at, man, yeah. EVMs, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so anyway, yeah. But yeah, look, my journey into crypto started in 2012. I had a developer agency. We were representing all these big tech companies, helping them get developers and acquire developers um, for their platform, their SDKs, um, uh, APIs that they were exposing, or just building apps for their app stores. Um, and we were doing weren't about you 30 instrumental on the, Weren't you instrumental in the JVM? Didn't you on-ramp like a million developers or something into the JVM? Definitely. Definitely. So before that, I was with Sun Microsystems and we launched the JVM for mobile, right? And so we got it onto my mobile devices. Um, we and, and it was an open source product. If you know, JVM is open sourced. Java was free for everybody to use. You just basically licensed the Java logo, right? And that's what you're paying for. And then ultimately, we would wrap that into a services business where we would then do customizations and we would have a team that would help you on the customization uh, for that, for your handset, for firmware that was in your handset, or even for elements that you wanted to highlight uh, on your phone. And then we would give you the logo that would come with that and you'd pay a royalty. We grew that business to a $700 million revenue business um, from zero, which was quite a feat. Um, and it was a great team. Um, yeah, really smart people in the room. Uh, yeah, so I cut great. you off on your crypto journey. You said in 2012, you started on your crypto journey. So let's pick back up there. Yeah, so we were a developer agency. I met a developer, wanted to get paid in Bitcoin. And at that time, 2012, it was only Bitcoin. And so I then sort of looked at Bitcoin, uh, read up about it. They had a Bitcoin J wallet, which was written in Java. So I got that. And so, okay, uh, let me test this out. I bought it on eBay using PayPal before PayPal and eBay banned it and reopened it up again. But um, I actually did receive the Bitcoins at the time. And yeah, and it was only about nine months later when that same developer asked, okay, now do you have Bitcoin? Can you pay me in Bitcoin finally? And I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I got some. I found, you know, where, where's my old chips on the laptop? Got to go get the laptop open. An old HP laptop it was. And then sort of loaded that up, found the wallet, paid it. And over a Skype call, paid instantaneously, no fees, right? This was when Bitcoin was not blocked. It was fast and it was super cheap to do a transfer. And I was hooked from then on in, right? Then we said, okay, we're now launching a developer segment for blockchain developers. Let's go find all the developers around the world. Who can we help? Where do we find the developers? Um, what sort of uh, hackathons can we start doing? What events can we host with them? And we started doing events um, for crypto. And that's where I met Roger and um, through one of the events. 
uh, we were working with a big Swiss bank and they were asking for good blockchain speakers. Uh, I suggested Roger and then Roger came out and uh, spoke and, and we spent some time together and mapped out a plan. I said, I'll join Bitcoin.com uh, if I can do three deals in three months. And in fact, I did six deals in six, oh, I did three deals in one month. And so that's when I said, oh, run the company. You know, it's like you take over. And so that's sort of yeah. one thing led to the next. And then the whole vision for me was really this peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system, right? How do we ensure that that happens? I was hooked on that. And one thing I didn't see was the user experience that stable coins provide to the crypto community, right? I, I, I underappreciated that all along because uh, and it's just a psychological element and nothing else. If you use logic, it doesn't make any sense. But from a psychological perspective, it's huge, right? If you, you do not want to be the guy that spent $11 million on, on pizza, right? You, you just don't want to do that. But the fact that you actually converted your 10,000 Bitcoins into stable coins, you still spent that money, right? Because you lost it either way. But still, psychologically, it had a great user experience. And, and so for merchants. I it's spent most for merchants, I feel like, because they can't. Merchants can't have the assets that they're trading in go up or down 25% in a day. So that's to me even more so than users is for merchants on ramping. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's 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 even even actually more accurate. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's that was the journey. And and one thing that we were always trying to do was really make sure that we could separate, you know, church and state that has separated. How do we now separate state and money? And it seems that state money through crypto, a Web3, is getting closer and closer together, right? E.g. Biden, Yellen, and, and Powell sitting in a room together concocting what they need to do to bring down inflation. We saw inflation coming in about 2020 when they were printing all this money. It's no way transitory. And even if you argue MMT, which is modern money theory, um, there's no way that that only works, modern money theory only works in a monopolistic situation. And so I, the government, I'm the only person that's allowed to issue legal tender with crypto. You don't have that anymore. Um, and so how do you navigate that? And we just sort of looked at inflation and, and we just came up with all these reasons and I can go into them in more detail, but we had all these reasons that we saw this needs to be innovated. This needs to be totally rethought through. We need to bring out a more transparent, develop, take a developer approach to this and bring this and make this available for everybody to real see what is inflation. Whether you believe it or not, doesn't matter, but it's open sourced, it's on chain and it's transparent and verifiable at any point in time. So anybody can argue it, make suggestions on how we improve it because we're super open to that. And we work with some of the best leading minds in this space to help us optimize what we're doing. So yeah, so, so turning this conversation to truflation a bit. Yeah. So how do you think about measuring inflation? I know uh, there, I know there's government statistics on this, but you know, how, how do you approach that? So we, I mean, obviously we have the internet today, right? So we're very fortunate to have a lot of data sets available through APIs or through web scraping um, or through other means, um, licensing um, uh, through point of sales, electronic point of sale systems. Um, so we've actually aggregated 
from 40 different sources across 10 million items. We aggregate all multiple price information and price points for each of the 10 million items that we track. Um, and then we basically aggregate that from different formats, different time intervals, uh, different sources, and then combine that into 12 sub-indexes that in aggregate provide the CPI. Uh, that can be rental, that can be, uh, sorry, the real estate index, the commodities index, we have uh, food, we have transportation, utilities, uh, entertainment, etc. And so we basket in into each one of those items and that gives out the CPI. Uh, those are all available either as a Oracle on, on the Chainlink network or as an API to anybody that wants to consume it as an API service. And that can range from um, you know, the big financial institutions like a BlackRock or a Vanguard or a CMT, a Bevan Howard, people that are really working with inflation to try and protect the purchasing power of their cash dollars. Number one, you also have financial advisors or personal finance uh, that plays an important role in knowing what inflation is. Uh, so you have robo-advisors like Betterman, Wealthfront. Would they be interested in something to uh, make sure that their customers know what the benchmark is that they need to be hitting in order to protect their purchasing power? Uh, financial advisors, they do that on a day-to-day -day basis. How do we make sure that they have uh, trueflation? And that is a benchmark that they need to hit and not necessarily the BLS data. Um, and so we've just been looking and testing out where is the market, who is interested, to what extent are they interested, and everybody wants more data, we're just finding out, right, it's just like they want more granular. Um, and, and so it's like, okay, we've got to start somewhere, and so we just started somewhere, and then over time we hope to scale that from 40 different sources to 400, um, and from 10 million data points to 100 million uh, items that we have and we're tracking. So I'm curious if you've found any so far that's like, what are the categories that tend to track the true inflation rate versus some of the other ones that might be like more variable? Like, I think obviously like uh, the cost of education has skyrocketed much higher than inflation and like cost of technology has you know, gone down significantly. Uh, so I guess what, what tends to be the more stable ones? So I mean, I mean, to your point, right? What we've found is that actually thanks to technology, inflation has managed to stay so low. If it weren't for technology, you know, we'd have, it would be far greater because all the other items have gone up in price significantly. The only one that comes down is technology. Can I set the uh, stage real, real quick? Is, yeah. Let me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, wanna, I wanna do something very fundamental here. So earlier today, I looked up what is inflation? What is the long-term impact of inflation? So really quickly before you finish your thought. So in economics, inflation is a general increase in the price of goods and services in an economy. So things getting more expensive and what is the long-term effect um, when the general price level rises, each unit of currency buys fewer goods and services. Consequently, inflation corresponds to a reduction in the purchasing power of money. So I just want to set the stage in case anybody doesn't quite understand inflation. Okay, so back to your point. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest price rises that we've seen in the last 24 months, I mean, has been real estate, uh, has been gasoline or transportation costs as a result of that. And then food, right? Food has gone up significantly. Um, and, and 
yeah, I mean, the basket, you know, your shopping basket when you come out of the, you know, Safeway or the Trader Joe's or wherever you're coming out of is a lot less full than uh, it used to be. And, and so those are items um, and, and that we've seen changed a lot. Okay, so, oh, Connor, it looks like you had a thought. Go for it. Oh, yeah. So I was just going to say, so so how do you so how do you turn that uh, that into a business? So I know you have some of the metrics, but I think Gabriel mentioned there's also like kind of a stable coin involved. Um, so you're providing this data. You know, what do people do with it? I guess why is it valuable? And like, I guess how are you? How do how do you go from there into into a full business? Yeah, I mean, so at the moment we're it's it's old school. We're selling data, right? I mean, in the end, we're selling reliable, verifiable, open data that's going on chain and we're trying to bring the discourse around the weighting of the data and how that should be appropriated versus, oh, that's bad data, you can't use that, or this is good data, only use this one. And so we move that part of the conversation away and we just focus the discourse around the algorithms, if you will. So it becomes more of a mathematical and scientific discussion versus anything else, number one. Um, the other element is, so that's, how do we monetize that? We just sell the data, I mean, in essence, right? And so that's been one layer that we're focusing on. The second is, what are the products that are going to be built around this and how do we participate in the products? One of the products is Nuon, Nuon.fi. Uh, it's a inflation pegged stablecoin. So it's going to be moving up in price contrast to a US dollar, for example, if it's in the US, the inflation that it's using. Um, and as a result, it will always deviate from the dollar and most likely be higher. If you go back to 2010, you would need $1.40 today in order to buy the same type of goods that you would um, with $1 back in 2010. So your nuance would be worth $1.40. And it's using the Trueflation Oracle to adjust it. Um, that's number one. But also we're looking at, at, I mean, I mentioned a couple of clients or products that are coming out that are using it. Uh, so we're looking into products like that. We've got little widgets that we're trying to use. And, and in essence, what we just did a, a hackathon and we had 29 developers building on top of Trueflation uh, from um, prediction markets uh, to salary automated, automated salary updates. How do we participate in that? And how do we foster that? Is this something that we can grow taking real world financial data, putting that on chain and getting more and more developers to use that? Yeah. That's exciting. Where was your hackathon? It was, it was online. So it was all online. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can see I'm showing the nuon.fi site here. I'm sharing my screen. Hopefully you guys can see it. So I see. So, so Trueflation then is the data set and nuon is the stable coin. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Got it. And then so, how about, um, I feel like I keep cutting you off, Connor. Do you have another thought? Yeah. So if we, if we want to talk about the stable coin for a little bit, stable coins have, uh, been in the news quite negatively recently, especially kind of algorithmic ones. And so, I'm just curious, like what kind of mechanism you guys use to, I guess, uh, if you have to kind of constantly increase the price of this stable coin, how do you make sure that it's like fully backed and always, you know, fully redeemable? What kind of 
mechanisms do you guys use? So Nuon's using a, um, a it, it's collateralized, right? So you can put your ETH in there, you can put BTC, AVAX. Um, we have AVAX in there as well as a collateral. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can use those as collateral. Uh, USDC, Tether as well. Um, mm -hmm. They can act as collateral and then we mint, um, we'll then mint new nuons associated with it or new US dollars associated with it. So there's the outline. But it is collateralized, right? Um, and you need will need to top up if the price of the collateral drops below a threshold. Oh, interesting. Sorry. So you can actually be liquidated if you're if you're not collateralized enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So it's okay. So it's a kind of also like a has like a lending mechanic to it. So it's not exactly. just if I want exactly. to. Uh, if I want to hedge against inflation, I just trade all my, if I have a thousand USDC, I just trade it, you know, on day one, it's worth a thousand nuons. And then eventually that'll be worth, you know, a thousand five hundred nuons. I actually have to maintain uh, the value to, to hold on to that. Or the value of my collateral, exactly. I'd eventually have to keep putting in USDC. Exactly, exactly. Interesting. Oh, well, well US, USDC, you have the advantage, it's less volatile, right? And so people might like, if you put in USDC, the likelihood of a liquidation, unless we encounter deflation and, um, you know, actually, yeah, then you might need to top it up, I think. Um, yeah, but otherwise you wouldn't need to have to top it up. Okay, okay. Um, how about but it does go it, it does go up or down based on inflation right so if we do enter into a deflationary phase where all the price of goods that we purchase today go down in cost uh, for the users then ultimately we enter into deflation and what does that mean that then means ultimately the value of the Nuon peg will drop below uh, a US dollar and it will be adjusted accordingly. But remember, inflation is only from one period to uh, within a given period, right? And historically, over time, uh, you're likely to see prices go up in general. Sure, sure. Sure. And, yeah. and then, okay, so I see here the team. So this is nice to see yeah. Cameron. I know Cameron from yeah. Tokyo. I've hung out with him several yeah. times. So um, is Nuon a separate team than Trueflation or is this team part of the Trueflation team? It's a very separate team from Trueflation. Okay. Uh, um, and, and, and Kyle and all of that team are, are dedicated to making Nuon successful. Andy, Chris, um, they're super good Solidity developers. They've been working on building out all these smart contracts to enable that. Kyle is a front-end developer with a lot of Web2 background. Um, and Yannick is, uh, has joined as a UX expert on the team. And then we've just had Ayud and, and Michael join the team just recently. And, and we're looking to scale this up, right? We want to keep a lean and mean team. We have no marketing and biz dev skills on the team so um, how do people really how do people focused. reach out to you if they're interested in joining your team yeah so yeah i think on the website there should be a link to do that uh, you know ping us on twitter uh if you want to join and help out um yeah we're super keen to have 
uh, more teams or ping me on srust99 on Twitter and yeah. I will make sure we I respond pretty quickly to all the channels on social. Okay, we'll definitely share your contacts yeah. below. So then in the context of Truflation and Nuon, how big, I'll start with Truflation. Um, how long has the team been around and how big is it? How fast are you growing? So Truflation has been around a bit longer. It's, uh, it's a separate team again. It's got about 12 people on that team. Uh, real big data scientists, PIMCO, uh, Bloomberg, uh, you know, BitMEX, so quant computing guys, uh, trading uh, experts as well um, that have joined that team and are running that. How big um, is it, did you say? Yeah. It's about, I'd say also about 10 people on that team. Um, yeah, and, and basically it's kind of, the new website will come live uh, in about on Tuesday next week. So stay oh, tuned cool. for that with a new dashboard with more indices and more explanations, and more metrics that people have been asking for. Uh, one of the things that people like on Truflation is seeing the correlation between, is there a correlation between Truflation and the BLS inflation metric? And the BLS is basically the Bureau of Labor and Statistics and they're the ones that are chartered with calculating the inflation. And I don't know, Wall Street Journal just wrote an article the other day. Um, and apparently the BLS have 477 staff members that go around to grocery stores and calculate <laughs> manually the, the price of, of goods. So if that's, it, if that's true or anything to go by, then um, yeah. And have you guys raised capital or how are you funded? Yeah, so Truflation had a private sale. We raised um, $5 million. We working with um, uh, Fundamental Labs, C-Squared, um, and, and Chainlink. We work very closely. And we and Balaji came in as an investor as well, um, who, and, and to a large extent, out of the fact that we had won the dashboard competition, right? So there's a competition that was out there, 1729 um, backslash inflation. Um, that was a competition that was put out there. And to us, that was really the, the red rag to the bull. When I saw that um, post and that article, it was like, go, go, go. We got to build this. This is now a product. This isn't just a little project that we've done all this research on because we did a lot of research into how it's calculated, what infrastructure would we need to do to build this? What, would a, what could a user experience look like? Um, and, and, and where would we pull the data in from? Mm -hmm. um, and it was just three of us in a room that just sort of were studying this, looking at this, talking to people, would you be interested in this? Would you be interested in this? And then that blog post came out from Balaji. And then I knew we were onto something. And then I just said, let's build it. Let's not submit the competition. Let's just build it and send them a link and just go, yes, 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 to everything and hit the link into it. And, and that's what got it. We launched it, announced it in December at Decentral in Miami. And that percolated up to, you know, the chain, Sergey at Chainlink and um, to Balaji. And boom, you know, next thing, one thing led to the next. We announced the winning of the competition uh, two months later. 
Wow, that's huge. That's amazing. That's yeah. the right way to do it, right? Anytime I've ever invested money or energy into a project, it always makes such a difference if they're going to do it regardless of if I'm investing, right? So like yeah. you said, you saw that blog post and you were like, let's just do it. <laughs> let's just yeah. build it. Let's don't, <laughs> let's don't even brainstorm on it. So that's the way to do it. Like if you're going to build it regardless of if the person is going to invest their advising or financial resources, then you're more likely to get the advising and the financial resources because they'll see. You often hear like... Um, in many startup cultures, you'll hear people are investing oftentimes in the team or the person as much as in the idea, because it's very common to pivot, especially in startup culture. You could end up in a completely different place than you started, and that's perfectly fine. That's kind of the way it works. And so when you see a group of entrepreneurs and you realize, oh, they're going to do this whether or not I'm on board, I should get on board. That's a lot different than when people come along and they're like, I got this great idea. If you fund it, I'll build it. It's kind of like how much do you really yeah. believe in your idea if you're not going to build it unless I fund it. So that's pretty cool. It's also crazy to me yeah. that yeah, you guys won that dashboard contest because I remember that back in the day. Actually, yeah. I, yeah. I I came across that at the time, and so yeah, it's really cool that you were able to actually build it. And I I had forgotten about that, but I mean I've 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 heard of this idea before of you know kind of having the yeah. the true inflation index, but yeah, it's a uh, cool to see those uh, dots connected. No, thank you. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I've, I've always believed in execution is everything. Everybody has an idea, um, but the idea is only worth an, a delivery on it, right? And if you can deliver on it, and, and I think like you said, Gabriel, right? I mean, the right thing, the markets always shift, right? And, and, and early startups, you got to pivot, pivot, pivot. And, um, you know, it's the team that has shows agility to pivot and pivot and pivot uh, in order to find the right, product market fit and when you find that um and that's been amazing with, with trueflation it's really everybody's heard of trueflation right it's, it's amazing how we're getting oh i heard of that is that you you guys are behind that so it's like amazing to on something as boring as data <laughs> and inflation information right um and, and we're now really just focused on how do we monetize this? How do we build revenue streams around this? And what are these use cases? Not only selling the data, but what and how do we participate in the products that can be developed off the top of it? Well, it really is the right idea at the right time. Real quick, Connor, I saw you about yep. to talk. It's the right idea at the right time simply because inflation is such a problem now. And during COVID, they I know everybody's seen the charts, but one out of every four U.S. dollars that have ever been printed in the entire history of the United States were printed in 2020. And so it's obvious that your purchasing power is going down. Everybody knows their rent's gone up. Everybody knows they get less groceries. Everybody knows gas has gone up. So it's the right idea at the right time. And everybody has been predicting this hyper-Bitcoinization or hyper-inflation for many, many years. And we're not quite there yet, but there's definitely it's happening around the world. You see it in places like Lebanon or Argentina. There's many different places around the world that are already suffering from hyperinflation. And whenever they just keep printing this U.S. dollar with nothing yeah. backing it, you know, it's it seems like an inevitability. You were going to say, Connor? Yeah, I just kind of wanted to change the conversation a little bit. I wanted to talk a little bit about Chainlink and your oracles and how you actually operate those. So. I guess who is operating the Trueflation oracles? I imagine it's the Trueflation team itself, not not Chainlink. Yeah, that's that's accurate. We manage them ourselves. We actually are a node operator as well, uh, and, and we maintain the oracles on the nodes, and then try to get other nodes to adopt and and, and use the oracle adapters that we provide them with. So how are there you, is um, Chainlink? There, go ahead. Yeah. 
No, Chainlink does have a marketplace, link.market or market.link, uh, where you can go and identify oracles. What we found in talking to lots of developers around the ecosystem is very few actually know that there is already an oracle available for them to draw down on, right? And that they can use. And nine times out of 10, they're gonna go build it on their own. And then actually, oh, somebody else has built something? Oh, let's have a look. How easy it is. If the documentation is easy and it's you know, well-documented, I will deploy it and use it and test it out. In some cases, it may be a bit expensive. Uh, is it worth the ROI? I think that's a calculation that the product managers in those specific businesses need to make decisions on. Um, if not, then yeah, let's go use it, right? Um, and so that's, that's really um, the goal. How do we make uh, increase the awareness for oracles, number one? Number two is how do we make the discovery of that specific oracle service that you would like to use um, available? So it's, it's as simple as an app store click, right? Bang, download, or NPM for your JavaScript files, right? And stuff like that. Or is it, um, uh, and then how do we, you know, ensure the accuracy of it and the uptime of it and, and uh, SLAs associated with that article? So I know that Chainlink has gone through a few different kind of generations of um, different ways of providing data via kind of like multi-sigs or like voting, but they've also done yeah. kind of like some of their price feeds and, they're like round aggregation and some like off-chain voting and stuff. So I guess what kind of um, processes do you use to ensure that uh, the data is reliable when it's coming from your nodes? Um, we, I mean, what, what we do, I mean, ultimately, you know, I mean, I, I, I can't speak to the, the chain link model, but what we find extremely valuable is their distribution network for us has been super accommodating. Um, they have a suite of some 900 plus node operators that are ensuring the accuracy of all of the Oracle services. Not every node operator supports every single um, Oracle service available, but I'm sure you know that that will scale up over time. The other thing that we're seeing is that these node operators are generating revenue from selling Oracle services as well. So they participate in the revenue model, uh, which is a really interesting. And they're making money, not from inflation, but they're actually making money from the Oracle sales and the support and accuracy of, you know, ensuring uptime of that Oracle. Um, number one, you know, that, that's one sort of angle. The other angle is really from a the distribution, right? So they, Chainlink's working on this messaging protocol that connects a multiple, right once deliver multiple chains. Uh, you know, there, I don't know the exact update of that or where that is, but for us to move our Oracle onto Avalanche, onto Polygon, onto Binance was very easy. Um, took about a week to just adjust it and test it, make sure it works properly. But we got it onto Avalanche really, um, you know, thanks to the support that, that your, your teams have been helping us with as well, um, very quickly and, and easily. So that was, um, that's another huge advantage that we found with Chainlink. So what does the data that you deliver actually look like? Is it just a single number or are you delivering like multiple indexes <laughs> and like how, what does that actually look like? So we deliver multiple indexes uh, and we deliver multiple numbers. So we show you the old and, and, and 
we don't just give you 11.9% or whatever it is, or 12%. Yeah. Uh, we give you 100, 112, you know, you come up with the percentage number, right? And, and you can then choose the time intervals as well. Um, you know, it was from, when is 100, right? 100 was yesterday, if you want it on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, we update it daily, not, not, not at any higher frequency. It's not really worth updating on a higher frequency. <laughs> Even daily is like, does it change that much? <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, How often does the grocery store change its prices? <laughs> Certainly yeah, not exactly. hourly. Yeah. <laughs> Seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's why they're yeah. replacing funny. all those paper tags with digital tags so they can just have real-time uh, price updates. <laughs> I got it when yeah. I got it in my cart. It was ten cents. Now it's fifteen cents. Yeah, that's hyper inflation. That's hyper bitcoinization. So, what should we look uh, next on your roadmap? What's happening next for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, at the moment, I think it's 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 just really getting those products. I, I mean, I'm pretty busy at the moment. We've got uh, those two products that we're really trying to promote and. Really just how can we get more stable coins using truflation? How can we really support, um, you know, I call them wages, but people that are earning money, that are working hard, contributing to society and are essential to, you know, holding up communities uh, in, in, in the real world. Um, how do we ensure they're protecting their purchasing power? And I'd love to build a inflation uh, inflation pegged DeFi ecosystem, right? Protect the user's purchasing power, right? That's really what we want to get done. Um, I don't need to go up, you know, anybody else can support the go up and, and make money and, and trade and do whatever you want. But from our, my perspective, I just want to make sure the dollar continues to buy you a dollar. And why is that so important? Because I believe money was invented for ensuring trade the exchange of goods and services for a value. And the value was defined in money. And how do we ensure that? And because when you trade a good with a service for value, people are happy. I got something in return for what I gave you. We communicated, we had an exchange, we understood each other a little bit or we didn't, but at least we had that exchange and we were as a result happy. And so, that is super important. And that friction has only grown over time. So how do we bring it back to making it as frictionless as possible and have a positive exchange and a good experience when we exchange value for services and value for goods? Very cool. And are, did yeah. you say you're in Texas right now? Or are you going to consensus next week? Yeah, next week is consensus. So we're pretty active out here. We got some really interesting stuff that we are going to be launching and announcing. And uh, I'm speaking at Decentral, Fundamental Labs have their offsite and, and their event. Uh, I'll be speaking there. We've got Grit Daily, which is a part of the consensus. And we've got a whole day. We've got just various people coming in, speaking on their products, their services, and, and, and how they all interlink. Um, and, and we've got some good panelists coming in and, yeah, just thought leaders and it's going to be an exciting, exciting week because, you know, despite we talked about stable coins and what's happened, despite all of that, right, the builders, I believe, have just ripped off that Band-Aid. We've got deep cuts, right, but we've been hurt. We Band-Aided it up and now we're ripping it off and moving on, right? Um, 
but uh, we all heard a hell of a lot, I think, with the Terra blow up. Um, and, you know, and okay, we suffer, right? And, but I think we're extremely resilient as a community. And I think we've just said, heads down, let's go make it back. How do we make it up, right? How do we go make more money again? Um, how do we make up for those losses, right? And um, yeah, and, and the tourists, they left, right? And so they don't want to hang around. It's too much hard work for them. Um, but the, the, the resilience is, is there in the community. And I really feel we're going to make it back. And so I feel the shift of builders coming back, right? The builders are really going to be appreciated more again. And we will develop, execute. And when the market picks up, you know, the reward will be borne by those that stuck it through and built and came out the other side. Yeah, down markets are always counterintuitively the best time in crypto, in my opinion, because it shakes yeah. out all the all the tourists, as you said. It shakes out all the people who are here to try and make a million dollars overnight, and it leaves behind yeah. the people who see the vision and are actually into this because they believe that this technology is profound and is going to have a really big impact. And like you said, it's, it's the people who stick around through this time that always do benefit when the market goes back up. So that's a yeah. good way. That's that's a good. It's, it's important to remind people of that, right? Because a lot of people are hurting right now, and you know, a lot of people just are so invested emotionally with their finances, you know, that uh, it's important to remind people that this is actually the counterintuitively this is the best time, and that it'll make whenever the markets go back up all the more sweet. So I'm actually flying out to. Uh, this goes live on Monday, but we're recording this a few days before. I'm flying out to Austin next week, so let's connect. I'll let you know when I land. Awesome. Our whole awesome. team. Yeah, we yeah. Like I think we have 16 people who are showing up or something. So we have a. Awesome. As a matter of fact, I'll invite you. We have a. We have a. Uh, we're doing a. Um, a side event, and I'll get you. I'll at least invite you. I'll RSVP you. I understand if you're too busy. I think we're doing a side event okay. with Google. Um, so that's good news. So yeah, I think we're probably going to wrap it up now because I know we have to have a, a hard stop today. So, um, yeah, first off, just thank you, Stefan. It's really great to stay in touch with you. It's great to see you continue on your crypto journey and uh, having a great impact. And I wish you all the best with new on and Trueflation. I can already tell it's going to be very successful. So I'm super stoked for you and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on your podcast last week. Um, tell people uh, where they can reach you online. I think you already mentioned your Twitter, but if you want to repeat your Twitter and how they can find you. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. Thank you guys for listening to this and, and spending and investing one hour of your time to, to listen to us talk about our experiences. Uh, super nice to meet you, Connor and, and Gabriel, and, and, and look forward to me seeing you in real life again next week. And so... Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, srust99, S-R-U-S-T, as in Rust, the programming language, um, and with an S in front of it, and 99, because 99 translated in Chinese means long, long, and so long life, it, it means long life. So, uh, nice. yeah, so I want a long life because yeah. this is such the most super exciting time to be alive where we can really change systems and provide optionality for our users and anybody to opt in to a new system. So let's continue our mission and build new systems um, that people can opt in on. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Connor, thoughts? Bye, guys. That's such a great note to end on. <laughs> but I'll just shill for a second. So yeah, so if any of our listeners would like to uh, follow me on Twitter, yeah, you can find me at 
das underscore connor d-a-s underscore c-n-o-r c-o-n-n-o-r yeah link will be in the description of course yeah and that's it if you guys made it this far you're a champion as always um we will be back next week same time same channel with another amazing guest and more amazing content in the avalanche ecosystem thank you everybody who's been part of the journey so far it's just amazing every single day um you should see this on monday so if you're in consensus next week I believe we're going to have a desk set up. Uh, so come and find us. If you see me around, please stop me and say hi. I want to connect with everybody that I can. And so, uh, as we always say, from Snowflake to Avalanche and through consensus to the stars. Thank you, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>